Welcome to the Six Figure Event Podcast. Here we get real about what it takes to build extraordinary wealth as an entrepreneur, business owner, and event planner. We'll go places others won't, diving into the nitty gritty how-tos of events, strategy, sponsorship, and marketing. Plus, we have exciting interviews with those who've mastered their own craft and a segment called Interviews with Sponsors, where we get the lowdown of what sponsors really look for when sponsoring an event. This is where we win the event space together. I'm your host, Alicia May, founder of Eventistry by Alicia, mom of two, lover of Saturdays, and I'm obsessed with creating phenomenal, profitable events. With a decade of experience, I'm here to talk you through those event roadblocks and even help you get out of your own way. Don't get stuck while planning, strategizing, and budgeting an event or retreat. On the Six Figure Event Podcast, I'm your wing woman. We're gonna grow your business, your following, and scale your dreams one event at a time. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Six Figure Event Podcast. I'm Alicia May, and today we have Alexa Rose Carlin on the podcast. She is a serial entrepreneur and a nationally renowned public speaker sharing her story and experiences to audiences all over the world. She's launched the Women Empower X in 2016 and grew to become the largest event for female entrepreneurs and change leaders in South Florida. In 2020, it's going to be growing to four markets. I am so excited to be talking to Alexa. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So tell me about why was Women Empower X founded? What was the premise behind it all? Why did you want something like this to start? As a public speaker, I was speaking to a lot of different groups at different conferences. And this was during the time I was living in South Florida. And I noticed a big disconnect among women. I would be hired to speak to a group and I noticed it was all millennial women or all women further along in their career or all women just part of the tech sector, PR industry and so forth. And when I hear people's stories and what they're trying to achieve, I would say, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And it was crazy to me that nobody really knew each other because everybody was just staying really within their own networking group or own demographic. And I thought, how much change can we create if we just connect and collaborate with women outside of our own industry, outside of our own age? and background. And so that kind of was the inspiration behind Woman Empower X. But before then, I was doing much smaller events. My first event had five people come out and I was like so excited to inspire five (laughs) people. But that was under a blog that I started in college. And so really how I got into creating events before WEX even was because I wanted to be a public speaker. And when nobody gives you a stage to speak on, you create your own create your own. I love that. And your blog in college, it was perfect, right? It was correct. Yes. And I don't know if you want to go back to that, but I think that's really interesting that you started that community already back when I think there's not a lot of demand for it, or there's not a lot of opportunities like that. I started this blog in college because I noticed how confidence played a big role in success and how I still was trying to gain confidence in myself. And that's kind of the premise behind the blog and behind my whole mission to inspire people is to really believe in yourself so you can achieve what you want and stop settling for less than you're fully capable of, nor fully like what you deserve in life. Through a crazy near-death experience, through my mission to make a difference in one person's life every single day, 
that's where I started speaking and events go hand in hand with speaking and really seeing the power of creating a collective community in person. I mean, there's so much that you can do online. And I think it's amazing how we've been able to create online communities and connect digitally, just like you and I. But then there goes something deeper that digital can't replace. And that is a hug. It's the feeling of energy. It, it's that collaborative environment. And so I really wanted to figure out what did I create in college through this blog and how can I go deeper within this community? And that was through in-person events. Yeah, I love that. And I think you can learn a lot too with just understanding that the in-person hug, <laughs> if you and I were in person, it would be a lot different because we have that now rapport. Now I've seen you, I've talked to you, but online people are almost like more hesitant to sometimes collaborate because they're like, oh, or you're trying to sell me something or you're trying to do something that I don't like. Definitely. I can see that. And I will say this, I get reached out all the time to have people either interview me or collaborate somehow or speak at one of our events. And you can't say yes to everyone. And sure. there's a few things that in-person connections can do, but also digitally, for example, you showed value by engaging with my content, by knowing how to reach out, not just doing like a cold thing. You've taken yeah. in the content that I work hard to create and you've showed value, right? So that was an easy yes for me. But yeah, even absolutely. so like yesterday, I said yes to an in-person coffee meeting, which I rarely do because I'm working really hard at trying to say <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> um, but this person, I said yes, because she came to my event. She spoke at one of our events. She showed value. She invested time to be at a WEX event. So I'm like, yeah, you want to go out for coffee? That definitely. And now I could tell you that we have a much bigger, stronger relationship, even over a 15 minute cup of for coffee sure. because of that. So I think everything goes hand in hand. And I think that if you can figure out ways to use digital networking and then go to an event or go somewhere to meet people in person, then that person that you want to connect with, that you want to collaborate with is going to be much more likely to remember you or Absolutely. say yes to you after Absolutely. that. Your motto though is go for it. Is it not? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, go for it. So what have you learned from hosting WEX events? Is there anything along the way that you're like, okay, I wish I would have done this different or something that you would give advice to if someone's listening to this podcast? That's a good question. One of the main things that I've learned is the power of negotiating. I want to say fortunate or smart enough. I don't know which one you want to say, but that I didn't take outside investment. And I say fortunate because it put me in a position where I had to figure out how to negotiate and I had to ask for better terms in every single contract because I literally was running on just the cash flow that I was bringing in. So I started this company with $2,000 in my savings to put a down payment on the venue and have been running with it since. It's my full time. I support myself off of it. We still have a very small team. Do I need more help? Yes. Do I wish <laughs> that we had influx of more income? Of course, that's how we can expand it. But at the same time, I'm a big believer. And if you want to be an innovator, if you want to be a leader, you have to use what you have, right? Absolutely. And so I use the cash flow that I had. I use the knowledge that I had. I used my voice. And also what happened is that 
through doing it this way, it became a very grassroots way of growing. And so we really tapped into the community and the community felt part of our growth since the beginning because we really relied on them to help us with marketing. I mean, the first event I spent around 200 bucks on Facebook ads and that's it. And we had over 1500 people come out. Oh, that's insane. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was very shocked too. <laughs> um, but th- I was but shocked that's, too. <laughs> that's the power of community. And so biggest lesson is never be afraid to ask for more. And you may not always get the yes, but at least you tried. And a lot of times you can find a mutual agreement that's going to help you out. So this comes to my event. We're running like giant conferences. So we have our set decorator, we have our AV, we have the convention center, we have catering, hotel, like all different logistics, labor. And so everything adds up very quickly. And so I've had to really learn how to negotiate to get the best deal possible. And the thing I will say is that you can always negotiate, like always, always, like for everything. Always. We just got a contract down from like 50,000 down to like 10. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. So do you have any tips on how to negotiate? Because a lot of people I think are so afraid to ask for what they want. And I know with hotels, you know, they give you a contract that's always in their best interest, but never yours. So do you have any tips on like how to go about if they come back and they say, no, do you continually persist or do you just say, okay, no, never mind. Oh, I continuously persist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the I time. I didn't think so. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say two words. Okay. Humanize it. So what I mean by that is that a lot of times people are afraid to negotiate because you're thinking about in a sales way, in a business way. And I don't know this person X, Y, and Z, but if you come at it as a human, human to human. This is just another person that has really the same goals as you, right? The same goals is maybe financial freedom, happiness, joy, success, love. We're all kind of going towards the same type of life, just in a different way. And so if you come at it where it's like, let me just talk to this person. Like, let me get on that human level and not in the salesy, sleazy way and like, oh, let me find out everything there is about this person and just like randomly bring up their (laughs) NFL team that they love. Like, of course, find mutual things you can talk about, but I'm talking just like, again, human to human. I was very, I'm always very transparent. So early on how I negotiated, now it's getting a little bit more difficult because now we're four years in and so- It's not like, oh, we're going to give you the first year or second year discount anymore. But in the beginning, I was really transparent. Be like, look, this is my story. This is what I'm trying to do. Can you help me out? And Mm -hmm. I would go at it like, look, I have no funding. We're really trying to make an impact in as many women's lives as possible. This is where we're at and we want to grow with you. So another thing is I always be truthful and honest, obviously, but I really did look for partners that I could grow with. So a lot of the vendors we've used, we used for the past three or four years. Absolutely. Now I love that. I love that. It's human to human. And I always say that even with sponsors, when my team is working for sponsors and on behalf of sponsors, it's like, we're talking to another person. They have kids or they have a family and it's not sales to sales. It's that human interaction. Be authentic. Just be yourself. Hey, this is what we're trying to do. They have a purpose and cause too. So I absolutely love that and love that advice. What advice would you give? Well, speaking of advice, what would you give to someone who's creating their like very first event 
and they just don't know what, but they know that they have a calling to host that in-person live experience. That's a good question. Well, I would say what type of event do you envision yourself creating? And again, this could be, oh, I want to get 50,000 people and sell at an amphitheater. Great. That's amazing. And I definitely 100% believe you could do that. But let's backtrack and start with step number one. So it's important to have your sights set on the big picture because I believe that you want it. You can achieve anything you want in life. But starting off at ground zero, think about what you could do now. So think about how much you want to invest in this event. What do you want to get out of it, right? Everyone wants to get something different. Some people just want speaking experience and their video so they can then go pitch to speak places. Some people want to make money, like to host an event and make it their full time. Some people have a social media agency, for example, and they want to create an event just to promote their business. And their main goal for that is just to break even because their main goal is to get more clients as a social media agency. So really start number one, looking at your goal for the event, because that's going to help determine all of your decisions and that's going to help you make smarter decisions. And then with that, you go to the next step on budget, on venue, on layout, right? Is this a conference? Is it a trade show? Is it an expo? Is it a summit? Is it a workshop? Is it a series? Is it online? Is it in person? All these questions you want to really nail down right in the beginning. And some have fluidity. My biggest thing is be fluid with your ideas, right? You could start off with one idea and then two weeks later after doing more research, talking to more people, it could change and that's okay. So um, that's where I would say get started is really mapping it out. And again, you don't need all of the details. You just need the foundation of it so you can get started with taking action. And then like action steps would be also, is it going to be under your current business? Are you starting a new brand? If you're starting a new brand, you need to get the Instagram, the website, the logo. So these are all really important questions that you want to ask yourself because that's going to determine your next steps. Yeah, absolutely. And how long, because a lot of people, they want to do this, is this hypothetical now event right away. Alicia, I want to do this event and I want to do it in two months from now. But realistically, how long does it take you to plan Wix? So you're going to be really shocked. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me. Most of the planning goes in three months before. Oh, wow. So here's the thing. Back it um, up, Alexa. Back <laughs> it up, I know. Full-time people, like tell me more because I'm intrigued. Yeah, so, okay, as much as I would love to say we plan these things a year in advance, we just haven't because we're growing so quickly. We have a lot going on and there's a lot of different parameters. For example, like certain convention centers, cities have the rule where you can't book out six months in advance until six yeah. months in advance. Right. So right away, we can't book out a year. And so we book out six months in advance, but then we might have another event that's we're working towards. So we don't even start getting like the ability to publish these dates. But at the same time, most of the things that we need to do happen three months in advance. For example, most people are looking for events to speak at within those three months. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are looking at their marketing calendar for the next three months. 85% of our ticket sales come the last two weeks. I love that you said that because yeah, historically most ticket sales come the last three weeks of an event. So right. most people don't know that. Yeah. And it's stressful. Believe me. Stressful. I know yeah. <laughs> it is like literally that's the most stressful thing yeah. is the ticket sales. But 
after running eight conferences at the size we are, it stands true for all eight of them. Over 80% come in the last two weeks. So really, because we host multiple events per year, most of the work gets done three months. Now, I will say the first time I ever hosted an event, it was a full year of planning. And then the second event I hosted, which was in DC, was six to eight months. But now we're on a shorter timeline because we also have systems in place. Right, exactly. You streamlined. So, exactly. You've taken a big event into, yeah. And so I think for going back on that too, is like you took something that, I don't know if you have a background in meeting event planning, but a lot of people just maybe don't. And it does take them that six to eight months because they're not sure of things that pop up. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know you had to have an event, event insurance or I didn't know that you had to have this. And so there's a lot more things that pop up for people that have a plant in their first event ever. But I love that you can plan it in three months. That's go, go, go. I bet your team is like, running forward all the time. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and I still have a very, very small team. And in the beginning, I did everything on my own. Yeah. It, it was crazy. That is <laughs> crazy. Definitely, <laughs> definitely crazy. And I will say for anyone that's listening, I don't have an event or hospitality degree or background. I got in this by accident, to be honest. I just wanted to be a public speaker. I wanted to share my story. And then it ended up where I was hosting my own events. And then I ended up finding a need in the market and I believed in the mission and I created something out of nothing. And I have a business degree and I always been an entrepreneur since I'm 17 years old, but on the event side, it has been all new to me. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I love that you just went with it and just did it because I think a lot of people are holding back, like you originally said, with the fear, like, I don't know how to do this. So I'm just never going to do it. So I absolutely love that. We have a lot of event planners listening. If someone wants to start out in the event industry and they're like, I don't have any experience like, you know, running events at all, but I want to host events because I love, or I want to plan events because I love the background of it. I love bringing people together. What advice would you give them on a separate note? If you have no experience, but you want to yes. do it. Yeah. Like you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would say go for it. I use the KISS model. Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. My KISS is just K-I-S. I don't use the second S, um, <laughs> but keep it simple. I mean, if you're just starting out a lot of times, they get kind of pulled into the Instagram world of events. That's what I'll call yes, it, right? Yes, yes. How beautiful everything looks, how amazing the set design looks, how the photo area looks. You need these flowers. You need this, this, this. You don't need any of that. So yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it can help with like marketing and everything. But is that your goal? I mean, the thing is, I would say more events look pretty than don't. And majority of them are not like a create and cultivate, if that's what a lot of people yeah. compare themselves to. Crane Cultivate, they have their own journey and own success. Yeah, they were beautiful, but they were successful because of a lot of different reasons. I see a lot of people emulating that and they're not making money or they're not getting the traction that they hope. And again, I, of course, would love to have all of that set design, but it costs a lot of money. And I pull myself back anytime I feel like, oh, we need this, we need this because we are growing. But at the same time, it's like, what's my core mission? My core mission is for every single person to walk away with at least one connection, whether that's a connection to a person or an idea or a strategy or an action step. 
because my main mission is for every woman that comes in is to help them get to that next level, whether it's in asking for a raise, starting a business, getting investment, getting their product on Amazon, figuring out their cash flow statement, whatever that may be. And so is a beautiful photo area really going to make that big of an impact? No, it's not. And so especially when you're just starting out, really focus on your main mission and keep it simple. And anytime you find yourself overwhelmed, whether it's through the budget or through how much you need to do, this is what I do all the time. Me and my team run through it. We ask, is this going to make an impact on the event? So there's a couple ways. Is it going to make that big of a difference on the attendee side or on the experience or on the revenue side? If it's going to cost us money and not make us anything, so that's no on this side, but is it going to be that much of an impact that's going to change the experience for attendees? If yes, then we may still do it and invest in it. If no, then that's an obvious no. And so you kind of have to measure and also not only the cost to experience, but also the time it takes you and your team to the experience. I love that. That's great advice. And I think that a lot of people do get hung up on the creating cultivate kind of stage set. And they're like, I want this and they dream, but it's such a big thing to focus on what you originally started for and not get caught up in the pretty shiny object syndrome kind of thing. So I love that. Now you talk to me about sponsors. I know you have sponsors every year at your events. And this is a question too that I get asked frequently. How do you find sponsors? Do they come to you? Any kind of quick actionable tips that you can give the listeners? Sponsorships have been very difficult. I'm not going to say I know all they the answers because we, <laughs> yeah, we still haven't hit those big sponsors yet. And so we have gotten sponsorships every year, but they're still much smaller than what you dream of or what your goal is for sponsors. So I will say that one I got from a cold LinkedIn outreach and like hustling them for a few months. <laughs> now it's a pretty big sponsor. Another one I got because I made sure to introduce myself to a lead person in their company at an industry networking event I was at in Vegas. And that three minute hello led to our biggest sponsorship to date. That's um, now it was only for one city, one year, but at the same time it happened. So those are the two ways that I got our biggest sponsors. Other sponsors that have been around like the five gram price point, most of them have come to us. And so we still are kind of finding this balance in time because my team is so small. It's like, do we spend our time reaching out and cold calling and trying to build these relationships, even though these big companies take a lot of times a year, because, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, you have to go through yeah. all of these oh, hoops, yeah. all these people. Then by the time you get to the right person, it's like, oh, well, oh, your contact sorry. is not there anymore. <laughs> and you have to start oh, all yeah. over. And it's like, oh my gosh, all this time could have been spent like focusing on marketing or, you know, something else. And so I'm very like, I'm not the biggest fan of the sponsorship game. And I've been, it is, a game. It is. it's completely a game and I've been working on innovating ways where I can make my events more profitable so we can reach more people and I could hire more people and grow the company in different ways that I can control. Um, yeah. Do I have all the answers yet? No, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like you said, sponsorship is just a, it's just a fickle game. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh. What's your experience with it? Oh, I, gosh, I've been, I've been, you know, sponsorships for last seven years, like 10 million, but it's a long-term game. You know, some sponsors come to me uh, year one and they're like, yes, we want to sponsor. And then they go cold for six months. And then year two to three, they're like, yes, we want to sponsor again. It's like, oh my goodness. And it's just mm. this long winded journey, which is unfortunate because you have to be at the top of your game to follow up constantly. And if you're reaching out to 20, 50, hundred different sponsors, that is a full-time job. So I do love your advice of just how can you maybe use that time more effectively, or even just starting with like three to four sponsors that you love personally, or that you have grown your business or have helped you. And that way you have a personal relationship or correlation with, because if you're just outreaching cold and you just want money, more often than not, it's not going to work. It's just going to eat up your time. It's going to take you into years of just trying to solidify a relationship that doesn't really happen anyway. So that's my advice. Unless you're in the tech industry, the tech industry is a little bit better. It's a little bit easier to get into because there's more investors and a lot more money in tech and there's more, you know, willingness to go into more tech events. But for entrepreneur women, it's very hard to break 25,000, 50,000 plus plus kind of budget and sponsors. Just my I agree. Very hard. Yeah. So tell us more about Wex. What kind of events are happening next year? I know you have two so far and tell us all the cities, all the numbers, et cetera, date. Yeah, definitely. So we have the following events planned so far, which is LA, which will be February 29th and Washington DC, which will be our fourth year in DC on April 18th. LA will be our first year in LA. And so we're really excited to come out to the West coast and then we'll be having either one or two more events in the fall, definitely Raleigh, North Carolina. And we're working on somewhere in South Florida. We always do it at the Fort Lauderdale Convention Center, but they're going under a three-year renovation. Oh, wow. So we have to find a new venue. I mean, if you are really looking to connect with diverse, inclusive community of women who are there to really offer tools, support their stories, their knowledge, where we really work hard to create this energy where we break down the walls and people aren't just coming to exchange business cards, but to create real relationships. I mean, this past year, we had attendees fly out from Australia, Brazil, Montreal, oh. Portugal, just to attend West. And to see that was like, wow, they're looking for a real community. And that's what we're working to build. So, I mean, I would love to see anyone there. I would love to see you there, Alicia. I'm like, how can I come? I'm like already trying to change my schedule. I'm actually in Canada. I'm in Ontario. Awesome. Yeah. We have a lot of people come out from Canada. There's a big entrepreneur, women entrepreneur, like you know, West Coast and Vancouver area and then Toronto, this little hub, there's a lot of people. So maybe come to Canada, Alexa. Yeah, maybe I would need a partner because like different countries, a whole different beast. I mean, Canada would be, be, you never know. I don't know. You never know. Uh, But Canada would be, I would say the easiest, even though it's not easy, but easier than like going to Europe or somewhere for for the first time out of the country, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to know more about the day itself and tell us about the agenda, maybe the content, because I love hearing how events transpire from maybe like your first year to your fourth year. Has something changed? Is something added? I know you have panels and all that stuff. So tell me more about the content and the agenda. From our first year to now, we've really focused and tailored into women in business, women leaders, women entrepreneurs, 
And compared to the first year, we're kind of like figuring out we had like yoga classes and we had chiropractic seminar and just different things. And so we've really focused all in on that female go-getter on the woman that's working to achieve something. Again, we have people that are students to angel investors to women looking to reinvent themselves. I would say that was the biggest shift that we've had in the past four years. And we kind of started that shift right after our first event. And then how the event runs, everything's going on concurrently. We don't have a general session. So our main stage is in our marketplace that also houses about 40 to 60 exhibitor booths. And then we have two breakout rooms. And so throughout the day, there's all different sessions going on on the three stages. Plus we have a networking lounge, a VIP lounge. You could shop the marketplace. And we do that because we're attracting women that are from all different industries and all different stages of the business life cycle or in their career. So we really want you to be able to walk away with what you want to learn, what you're interests are, what you need to learn. So if you want to go to all of the marketing workshops, you could go to every single marketing workshop. If you are like just looking to connect and just want to feel inspired, you could just sit through all of our keynote speakers. We have panels, we have workshops, and we have keynotes. And then we also have a female founders pitch competition to help bring awareness to female founders in the area of our events. Oh, that's fun. I love that. I love the pitch competition. I think it just showcases a new level of what's next. So I always love pitches. That's my little kind of, you know, <laughs> passion. I'm like, I'm just going to sit and eat popcorn and watch and just see these brilliant women. So I love that. If you can say, what's the craziest thing that's happened at your event or like planning your event? Because I always like hearing stories. <laughs> I'm always like, did your curtains go on fire? Did something happen? Like, did something crazy happen? <laughs> Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories being in the <laughs> yeah. event world. Luckily, we haven't had anything that's like super major um, like that. I would Love say it. we've had, of course, like shipping mishaps or like companies sending oh, us yeah. the wrong banner and that was our schedule. And we're like, oh my gosh, oh, now no. we don't have schedule banner. So of course we have all of those, but- Those um, are still something though. I mean, having no schedule, like what did you do? Because again, if people are learning to do events, what did you do? Did you just a makeshift banner? Or schedule banners? Yes. So yeah. what happened was, luckily, the year that it happened was our first year we printed programs. Oh, and so yeah. we said, you know what? Like, the schedule's in the program. Let's just train our volunteers to let everyone know. Because we used to always have it up on a, a big, like, step and repeat yeah, yeah. banner. Okay. But that actually ended up working out really well. Because now we don't ever print the schedule banner because the schedule's always changing also. So that was one thing. Another thing that happened was... Because I've done this event mostly solo, except for the past year or year and a half, there was one year, I think it was year two in DC, that I had mostly volunteers. My mom was there, an intern, and my project manager was nowhere to be found. We don't no longer work with her, but of course, you know... (laughs) Everyone handles stress differently. Let's just say that. Oh, wow. And I had to check out the staff that we hired for registration. The staff makes us like count the money and make sure everything is accounted for before they could leave because we have to sign off on their paper. So I'm sitting there at that like last 20 minutes of the event or 15 minutes. My project manager is supposed to be doing this. She's nowhere to be found. So I'm sitting there and counting out off the money. Yet I didn't realize like how much also my personal brand grew. I also speak at my events. So I'm there and the registration booth is where everyone's also leaving the event. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, Alexa, I'm so happy I caught you. Alexa, I'm so happy I caught you. So everyone's asking to take photos with me before they leave the event. And 
I'm like, I have to check this person out within the next five minutes or else we're going to get charged X number of dollars because it's going to go over to the next four hours because it's union labor. So it's minimum four hours. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I had to ask this person to duck and hide behind the (laughs) registration So I could count this money and sign her paper. And that's when I realized like, I cannot do this event by myself anymore. Like I need to hire someone to help run it on site. That's so funny. (laughs) Duck, pretend you're not here. I love that. That's funny. I mean, there's always that one story or those like few mishaps that happen. So I always love asking my guests that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, So tell us how we can buy tickets, where we can find you online, Alexa, and anything else you wanted to add. Yeah, definitely check out womenempowerx.com. That's women, W-O-M-E-N, and empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, and the letter X. And we're just Women Empower X all over social media. Definitely see if you could come out to our upcoming events. LA is going to be amazing. DC is always our biggest event every year. Again, those are happening in February and April next year. Tickets start just at $40, which gives you access to almost everything except for our hour-long workshops and our VIP experience. But outside of that, you get access to all stages, all panels, all keynotes, the whole marketplace, the pitch competition, all of it. And the reason that we keep it below $50 is we work really hard to keep it at that price point because our mission has always been to empower as many women as possible. I know when I was just starting out, even today, like I don't have $350 plus travel to throw on a ton of different conferences, yet I need the material to grow. Absolutely. And, so, Absolutely. and yeah. so that's really why we try to keep it at such a low price point. But yeah, just visit womenempowerx.com to learn more. And also, um, if you want to connect with me personally and see where I'm traveling, I travel the country speaking at events all over. You can connect with me mostly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Alexa Rose Carlin. Absolutely. Well, I've just decided, Alexa, I'm coming to the one in February. So I'll see you there. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait too. So thank you so, so much for being a guest today on the podcast. And I really appreciate your time and just kind of a glimpse into what happens at WEX. Yeah. Thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you in person and staying connected. You never know. You never know. Here we go. 2020 or 2021, I guess. Yes. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Six Figure Man podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and take the tools and tips and information from our guest speakers to help build extraordinary wealth as an entrepreneur, business owner, or event planner. Join us again next week for a new episode that I hope will continue to help you win in the events.